Today's scriptures reading, scripture reading comes from Mark 14, verses 20 through 22 through 25. And as they were eating, he took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them, and he said, Take this, take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they drank, they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Mark 14, 22 through 25, bread and wine. We're in just the hours before, hours before Jesus will be crucified. As you know, he, uh, the next text, uh, they'll be going out to Gethsemane. From there, he will be arrested and uh, that terrible trial and then ending up being crucified. So this is, this is Thursday uh, night uh, for the, in the Jewish time uh, table. Sabbath begins at 6 p.m. On, on Thursday night to this Friday. This is unusual uh, Sabbath. It's, uh, I should say, Passover. The Passover, that's where it falls this it's on um, their, what's the name of the month? I forgot the name of the month right now. It's like Aviv or something like that. 14 to 15, it'll be their new year too. This is the, uh, they're supposed to start the year at this time of the, of the year. And it is the great Passover meal, rich in history. Uh, it's, to, it's called the Seder now. And it's a once-a-year event at Passover time, and this is the event. And, of course, it's amazing and wonderful because it is a very symbolic and rich, uh, layered family celebration. And then Jesus comes and celebrates it with his family of disciples. He's separated from his own family. Um, it even seems like his mother is not, you know, she's ambivalent to, to some extent because earlier on she was convinced by her other children to go and seize him. He was acting crazy, and they were going to take him. Uh, of course, I'm sure Mary is a believer compared to the other brothers, uh, but he's not with his family. He's not with his mother. Uh, he's with his uh, spiritual family. He says, you are my brothers and sisters. Kind of a significant uh, reality there. And he's going to show that in God's timing of everything, he, the Messiah, the anointed one, is actually what all of this has been about all of these centuries, uh, even millennia. He is the center of God's revelation. He is the center of the Passover. And he actually, of course, will be the Lamb of God. We sang a song. He's the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God. He is the one 
who would be sacrificed for our sins. And that's what the you know, crucifixion is all about coming up in just hours from this time. So he doesn't give it new meaning. He doesn't give the Passover new meaning. He's actually giving it its actual full. He fulfills it to show uh, that he is the centerpiece, really, of all of salvation history. And, and that's what the Passover was looking forward to all of these years. So we're going to take some time to think about this great text of Scripture. Let's, let's open with prayer. Father, we're asking humbly that you would speak to us through your word. This is your word. You've given it to us. And you have sovereignly called us on this day, this congregation, this family of, of folks. Some of us, we've never even met each other before, but we are fellow believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we gather as your children, O oh Father, would you break the bread of life to us and, and nourish us deeply. We need nourishment. We're hungry. We're hungry for you. And even though it, it feels like an odd thing, what John said of the, that little character breaking off a part of himself and giving it to people for nourishment and encouragement, you know, that is actually a picture of Jesus. He gave himself for us, and he said his body is for us. So even now, Lord, give us yourself. Prepare us. Thank you for the fact that we come humbly through Jesus alone. He alone makes us worthy to come to you. So, Lord, bless us, we pray. Amen. All right. So, verse 22. And as they were eating, again, that's the Passover meal, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take this is my body. So I want to spend just a moment talking about the main significance, I believe, of, of the body, the bread. You know, let's think about it this way. Uh, the blood is a part of the body. He'll say, this is my blood and this is my body. So it's all about his presence and physical reality there. But there's obviously a difference. There's two things. We're supposed to think about different things when we think about uh, the body and the blood. And I think the main deal with the body is very old history, and, and that is presence. He's there. Uh, in in uh, 1 Corinthians, it says, Jesus said, This is my body, which is for you. This is the central, most significant, amazing miracle of, of, of the Bible. And, and that is that God himself became a what? A man. What, you know what Jesus called himself more than anything else? Son of man. I am the son of man. He's a real brother. A son of man is someone who's born from human beings. He is a human being. He's here, and it's, it's essential for our faith to know that Jesus is really the one sent. He's the bread that came out of heaven for us. So 
I, I think the idea of presence, he is present, he is real, he's incarnate, is, is the central idea. A little bit of history here. Uh, bread is important. Uh, it's, it has a symbolic and a practical importance. Uh, it's how, how is it practically important? It, it's, it's called the staff of life. It's what nourishes us and feeds us. And what was early part of Israel's history, when they were driven from uh, Egypt, of course, where, where, what was the significance happening at the Passover meal with bread? It was all about what? The unleavened bread, right? He, in fact, he says there's three parts, simply three parts of the, of the Seder meal prescribed in Scripture. That is the lamb, the unleavened bread, and the bitter herbs, horseradish of some kind. Uh, the Jews over the years have added other things that are interesting and perhaps wonderful, but the Bible talks about those three things very specifically. The bread was unleavened because he emphasizes that you, you have to get out of Egypt quickly. You don't have time to raise the bread. Is that the right word? Raise the bread? I think so. Like, for example, actually, uh, one of... Uh, Brandon is our, our music and general intern for the summer. We're so thankful he's here from Biola University. Did he do a great job this morning? Yes, he did. Praise the Lord. Um, one of his hobbies, some of you know this. What's his hobby? What's one of his hobbies? Baking. He loves to bake bread. And so this past Tuesday, uh, I was hosting a, a group of about less than 20, about 15 to 20 local pastors. We had a lunch here. And so in the morning, he came to men's breakfast. Brandon did. And I said, I don't know what to serve for, you know, starch for the meal. I wasn't like saying, hint, 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 why don't you bake some bread? But he said, ha, <laughs> you know, I can bake some bread. But the big issue was, will it have time to rise? You know, it takes time to raise bread up, get, get puffy and big. And it, it did, just barely. <laughs> we, we served the meal, and I said, and in a few minutes, <laughs> we're going to have fresh baked bread coming in the door. And, and that's true. It takes time to make bread fluffy. And uh, so the unleavened bread, that's what the deal is with the unleavened bread. It's, it's, it's in a hurry. It's an interesting idea. It's the idea of, of urgency to get out of Egypt. Uh, when God gives you the opportunity to be saved, take it. You know, the Bible has a lot of urgency in it. And one of the favorite phrases is, today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Repent now while you have the opportunity. The Bible says, seek the Lord when? While he may be found. You know what that implies? And that implies that at some moment in time, you won't be able to find the Lord anymore. You, you lost that opportunity. So here's Jesus. Here he is now. You take that opportunity. So that's the unleavened bread. Uh, another big uh, bread history is the bread that came down out of heaven. Uh, this is some you know, rough artwork of that event of the manna. Right? When they, they were on the Exodus, they're out, and 
you know, within, they had these massive miracles, you know, to get out of Egypt, the parting of the water, they're walking through on dry land, and they get out there a little ways and say, God, you brought us out here to kill us. You know, you, you can't provide food. They didn't say that, but that was their implication, you know. Uh, you did all these great miracles, and now we're going to die. Um, all, it is kind of weird and kind of humorous. But, of course, what did God do? He provided bread. And it's interesting, actually, in, uh, in Exodus, where they first see it, they, uh, I don't have the reference here, but you can look it up yourself. I think it's in chapter 16. Um, it comes down, and they say, what is it? Which in Hebrew is manna. That's what it's called. What is it? Uh, and so bread is, and the idea of that which comes down from heaven. Jesus, we're going to get to it. It's in John 6. Jesus pulls this up and says, this is me. I came down from heaven. Uh, I'm here. This is your opportunity. Now is the time to be saved. I am the provision of God. Uh, all of that is implied in this bread. And there's another interesting thing about bread, and um, it's, I'd say, less important. And I, th- I got to the point where, should I even mention it? But I'm going to mention it anyway. And you kind of sort it out. But it's, it's kind of interesting, and that is called, whoops, you saw it. That's all. Just, that's it. Next, next slide, please. No. <laughs> Sorry, kidding. Um, this is Hebrew, uh, and it starts from right to left. And that first squiggly thing is an L. That's lechem, lechem ha-panim. Those two Hebrew words, lechem ha-panim. Lechem, you've heard of the city of what? Beth, Bethlehem, Bethlehem. You know what that literally means? Somebody might know. House of bread, I think I hear somebody saying over there. House of bread. Beth is a house, lechem is bread. It's, uh, you know, they think, People baked there. There was a lot of baking going on in Bethlehem. Lechem is bread. And the next uh, Hebrew word is ha-panim. And panim is actually the word for face. And it's plural. It's, it's always plural in Hebrew, which is, I think, a wonderful idea because a face is very complex, right? Now you can get an iPhone and it'll read your face, right? And it's, your face is so unique it, you know, hopefully doesn't think you're John Doe, you're, you know, you're Jack Doe, because uh, it can tell the difference between Jack and John. A face is many, many layers, um, and, and it really becomes to mean presence, okay? So literally, the lechem hapanim is the, the br- bread of the face, the face, or the that bread which was put in the presence of God. Uh, in the tabernacle, uh, there were sections of the tabernacle. What's the tabernacle? Good question. You'll have to answer that on your own time. <laughs> the tabernacle has different sections, and it, it has a big out, outward courtyard where there's this massive fire pit the, where they burn the sacrifices, and then there was a big round wash basin, and then you'd go into a tented area which had two big sections. One is the holy place, the other is the holiest of holies. 
And when you come into the holy place, see, you're getting closer to God. The Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy of Holies. And they only went in there one time a year. Um, and, and God was present there in some special way. And when you went into the holy place, you're getting closer to God. And in there, there's three things. There's a candlestick that's often called the menorah, seven candlesticks. And then in the middle is a table with incense, uh, incense censer burning. And then off to the other side is another gorgeous table. Uh, In fact, we had the privilege of being in Rome by God's amazing grace and the cheap airfare on Norwegian Airlines. I am brought to you today by Norwegian Airlines. (laughs) Quite literally, I'm I'm brought to you today by Norwegian Airlines. Um, And when you go to the Roman Forum and you're headed out of the Forum toward the Colosseum, uh, there's this arch, big arch. The Romans were into building arches. And it's the Arch of Titus, the Ark. Uh, and that, that's memorializing his defeat of Jerusalem and Judah. And the artwork shows them carrying the menorah along. You can almost see them bouncing, actually. And also in the artwork is them carrying the table of the presence, of the bread of presence. This was a gorgeous table covered with gold. Um, And if you turn back the clock, remember Antiochus Epiphanes who desecrated uh, the temple in like 160 B.C.-ish? He stole that table. He loved that table. So the one Titus got was a a recreation of, of that original table. So I'm just saying, here we are in the holy place, not the holy of holies, and there's three things there in the presence of God continually. Light, always on, incense, uh, filling the room with an amazing sensual smell and beauty, um, aromatherapy, you know. <laughs> and then off on the other side is this, these 12 loaves of bread that, that was in the presence of God. Um, and, and I think without bending things too much, you can think there that Jesus, he's declared to be, uh, John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's the ultimate bread of the hapanim. He's with the Father, and he, of course, is God himself as well. He is God. So bread has a rich and varied history in uh, its meaning and its sense. Jesus is the, the bread that came down from heaven. And I, like I said, I'm a little weaker on this point, the ha panim, because it's not a point made very well in Scripture. But it just kind of, it's interesting how bread was important to, in the worship of God and also setting before the presence of God. And I mentioned John 6. Um, Let's look at the text of Scripture, by the way. Uh, Back in our Mark 14, it says, As they were eating, he took bread. And notice the verb. He took, and then he says, take. It's the same verb. He took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them. 
Uh, I've mentioned a few times how I love the Hebrew prayers uh, in and around their, their feasts and their festivals. And the, the Hebrew prayer, uh, which would be said during the Passover over the matzah, over the unleavened bread, runs something like this. There's a couple of versions. One says, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his laws. In other words, he set us apart by revealing himself to us and giving us the word. He has sanctified us with his laws and commanded us to eat matzah. You can hear Jesus using that blessing or something similar. And now he says, you take this. That's a command. You take me. This is my body. I'm here. This is the opportunity. I'm the provision that God has brought. Uh, and I've mentioned this many times. In, in Hebrew, it sounds something, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Barak, Atah, Adonai, Eloheinu, Eloheinu is our God, Melech Haolam. I love that because that means Melech, his king, Haolam, is of the universe, of the forever, of the infinity. Who can be king of the infinity? (laughs) Who can be literally fulfill the crazy words of Buzz Lightyear? (laughs) You know, to infinity and beyond. You know, that's God. (laughs) He is outside beyond, outside of the system. He created the system. He created space and time. He's not submitted to it. He is the source, the ground of all being. He is king of the universe. Too bad Christians don't use those words enough. Maybe we should uh, pull it back in. Uh, okay, so that's a, maybe Jesus said something like that. That's what the modern uh, Seder has in it, and I just say amen, amen to that. Uh, I said I wanted to look, though, at John 6. John 6 is super rich, and it really talks a lot about the bread. So if you have your Bible, I would highly recommend turning there. If you didn't bring one, there is one in the pew near you. Let's turn to John 6. It's almost, um, it's one of those passages that we probably don't spend enough time in because it's sort of awkward. It's sort of uh, difficult, uh, but, but it's well worth you know, mining through some of the riches. Uh, let's walk through this gallery of gorgeousness, John 6. And even still, I'm going to cut and dice. We have to jump in at verse 25 for the sake of, of time. The context is this amazing miracle where Jesus has fed 5,000-plus women and children uh, and so the whole thing's about this amazing provision of bread that he has made. And let's drop in, and then, I say, as I said, verse 25. These are people that have been searching for Jesus. Where is he? Where is he? Um, in fact, let, let's go back up to verse 23. I just love this. Uh, other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Isn't that a wonderful little addition? We ate the bread after he gave thanks. We we remember that he gave thanks. (laughs) The the Greek word is Eucharist. Uh, 
the word for thanks, is to be thankful, to say the grace of God is good. I remember. He gave thanks. We ate bread here. So where is he? We want some more of that. Uh, Verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, that's the Sea of Galilee, a big, huge, fresh water lake, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. You know, he's setting it all up here. He's saying, I understand you enjoyed that bread. It was truly wonderful. But I want you to live beyond just your temporary appetite and seek that which lasts forever, the eternal bread. And I am that bread. Uh, I am the bread that God has provided. The Father has set his seal. He's approved me. I am the one. Verse 28, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, (laughs) you got to just appreciate Jesus' patience. Like, you know, hey, haven't you been listening to anything I've been saying? But it's just, it's just beautiful here. I am the bread of life. Yes, that's what I've been saying to you. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So he's not talking about some sort of literal thing where we eat parts of Jesus. You know, it's not cannibalism. The early church was, you know, accused of being cannibalistic because they talked about sharing the body of the Lord and drinking his blood. Ah, they're cannibals. The Romans uh, accused them of that. No, he's talking about in the spiritual realm, we take Jesus by faith. We believe in him. We appropriate. We receive. We take Jesus uh, by trusting in him. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Where was I? Truly, truly, I say to you. Yeah, verse 32, verse 33, verse 35. That's where I was. He said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you 
that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. Here's this miracle. He says, you must believe, but at the same time, God is sovereign over this choice too. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven. This picture again, the manna coming down from heaven. He is the provision. And you remember I said that sense of urgency, that sense of unleavened bread, eat it quick, you don't have time to let it rise. The thing with the manna, you had to go out and collect it. You had to receive it. You had to take it. You had to appropriate it. That's the provision of God. And if you wait and you say, no, I'm going to wait for a later time when it's more convenient. I don't want to have to do it now. The manna, you guys know what happened to it. The manna, what happened to it? It rotted. It, it, it decayed very quickly. It wouldn't be there later. The provision will be gone if you don't take it when God the Father is working in you to bring you to Jesus. Um, verse uh, 38, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. Those that are chosen by God will be drawn by the Father. They will have that sense of urgency. I need you, Jesus. I, I come hungry to you. That's the Father drawing them. That's verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught by God. See, God does this miracle in the heart. He teaches the individual in his heart. He prepares him. He convicts him of sin. He makes him hungry. Uh, he makes him yearn for cleansly cl cl cleanness. <laughs> he makes us yearn uh, to be forgiven of our sins. He makes us truly sorrowful for our sin. The Bible says godly sorrow works repentance. So true sorrow over sin is, I'm, I'm not sorry that I got caught. I'm sorry that I grieved a holy God. I, I took all the gifts and blessings of God and the promise, and I abused them. I used them for my own ends. I lived for a moment like there was no God, like God couldn't see me. And the Father teaches us to hate our sin and to loathe ourselves and to want to come to Jesus for love and forgiveness and recreation and be, to be made a new creature, new creation. 
verse 45 there in the beginning. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you. Again, he's being super emphatic. Remember, if he was a Baptist preacher, he'd be panging on the pulpit. Uh, when he, he, This is the amen, amen. So I've spoken of you so many times. Truly, truly. And the old King James, you say, verily, verily. Right? Absolute truth. Listen to this. <laughs> Listen to this. I am emphatic. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. And that's this glorious promise. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. So I'm here. This body is for you. I'm really present. I was in the presence of God for eternity. I am God. I am here. Uh, I came down from heaven for your salvation. Um, this is the bread, verse, verse 50. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. You know, so much re- repetition. Get, he's trying to say, get the point. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So my point number one is presence, the, the uh, body of Christ. Second, My second point, which I have a lot more to say about, just you know, rest assured, uh, <laughs> uh, is, is payment. Payment. This is the blood. The chief issue on the blood is, is he's paying the penalty. A, a good biblical word is ransomed. The whole concept of being ransomed is to be paid for. The concept of ransom, we, we know the word ransom. Uh, if somebody wants to make money uh, in a very unstable economy, one horrible way to do it is to kidnap somebody, right? And then you demand a ransom. You give us $2 million and you can have uh, this person back. And that, that's a horrible idea, but that's the concept that somebody need to pay a very big amount for us to be purchased out of a, a slave market. We're in a slave market to sin, and the master comes and pays the penalty for our sins. Um, the old, uh, old, ancient, godly, established principle is without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins and i've mentioned this many times the glorious verse that comes out of the passover exodus 12:13 you can remember 12:13 right 12:13 exodus the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are and when i see the blood i will pass over you and no plague shall befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. It's based on Leviticus, uh, where Jesus says this, Leviticus 17.11, but let's look at the text of 
of, of Mark, real quick. We're looking at payment. He says, and he said to them, he took the cup, verse 23, and when he had given thanks, again, being redundant here, but that is the word Eucharist. Sometimes communion is called Eucharist. Uh, and you break that Eucharist. It's, EU is the prefix for, for good, like a eulogy. Uh, it means, uh, actually, that's what he said when he blessed it. The Greek word there is eulogao, to say good things. Lego is to say, you means good. This is the Eucharist, Eucharisto, and charis is the root means grace. You know, so he, you're basically saying, this is good. Your grace is so good. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. We say grace at the table. We're saying thank you for your goodness and kindness. So he, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, uh, which is poured out for many. The blood of the covenant. Uh, this is the word of God. And that, that comes from uh, Exodus 24. I'm really running low on time, but let's turn there real quick. That word comes from Exodus 24, the blood of the covenant, where uh, Exodus 24 verse 8, where Moses is uh, following the command of God. See verse, uh, verse 3 of Genesis, excuse me, Exodus 24. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules, and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. So here they are sitting around. They've had this big fire. It's burned all these huge animals. He collected the blood, and he splashes it on the side of the altar. And then they sit down, or perhaps stood, and he reads the Bible to them You know, over a long period of time. He read uh, parts of what we call the Septuagint to them. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. You know, would that it were so, right? But that's what they said. And, and Moses took the blood and threw it on the people. And well, you... You'd remember that, you know, the splash zone, right? It's like, oh, I wouldn't want to sit in the front row at this point. He's taking his blood. It's sat around for several hours, uh, semi-coagulated perhaps, I don't know, and he splashes it out across the people. They, they took it. They remembered that moment of forever. Um, let's see, uh, and Moses, verse 8, and... Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, look at this. Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance 
with all these words. So it's those words Jesus pulls out in the Passover meal. These aren't typical words in the Passover. He's brought these in. He's saying, uh, my blood, not the blood of these huge animals that have been burnt, that they got splashed with so many centuries ago. Uh, no, it's my blood that you know is for you. And, and you, you drink it, you take it. Truly, I say, um, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. So the payment is made with the blood. And then finally, uh, the text closes with this. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Many years ago, uh, we were scratching around for a a church slogan, uh, a motto or whatever it's called. And I suggested proclaiming the Lord, proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. It comes out of 1 Corinthians 11. And after the committee worked on it, it became proclaiming the Lord until he comes, which is fine. Uh, But we proclaim the Lord until he comes. Now, that's a bold statement. That would be awesome if this church is actually still here when the Lord comes And let's pray that it is so, right? It may very well be so, particularly if he comes in the next seven or eight minutes. Uh, (laughs) uh, But the idea is he's coming. We're on the verge of him returning. And and so I have presence in the bread, payment in the blood, and, and promise. All of the gospel is about the expectation of massive change. And and what is the promise? I, all, I wanted to use the word party, but I thought it was slightly irrelevant. Or, no, no, irreverent. Very relevant, but not reverent, perhaps. So I use the word promise. But I say party, too, because he's looking forward to this great party. The promise is fulfillment, happiness, kingdom. I'm going to drink some wine with you again. This is going to be a super celebration uh, when the cross is behind me, all the saved are, are in heaven. We'll do this again. We will have a massive Passover meal where we'll be worshiping with all our hearts. The psalm said, shout, shout. Uh, psalm 20. Uh, let me read it here. It says, may we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God set up our banners May the the Lord fulfill all your petitions. And that's our promise. You know, we will worship uh, with all our hearts when Jesus comes back. So this is what I'm trying to say. What, 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 What should you take away from this? Three things and more as the Holy Spirit convicts you. But first of all, take him. He says, this is my body. Take it. Take it. It's a command. It's not an option. He's the provision of God. Take him. Secondly, rejoice. The Eucharist. Praise God for his grace and his mercy in this great provision. Do we understand this deeply, fully? No way. 
This is the, but this is the revelation of God. This is the word of God. Uh, that's why we believe it, not because we fully understand the, all the implications. I mean, why did he require blood? He required blood. I don't know why. Is that okay? Yes, it's okay. I'm not God, right? This is the way he has set it up. We rejoice in him. We trust him completely. Then finally, look forward. Look forward to the promise. Be prepared uh, for that eventuality, that coming of Jesus. May he come today. Amen.